Hi, Secreters. So, um, glad to be back with you. And it's been a little bit of a busy time, but want to jump back into our book study. Um, I had mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit about the dictionary aspect of the secret. When we look at the secret and we see that it's written in kind of a jumbled, backwards, kind of weird worded way, all of that is done on purpose. Because when Byron talks about in the Japanese hint book that when he spoke with the translator that it was a game on wordplay, that's one element of deciphering the book. That is one part of the puzzle. Because the book itself has multiple puzzles in it. Words are one of them. He mentions that there are numerical puzzles. We obviously have the paintings, which are puzzles, right? Because you have to link it to the poems. And so one of the things that I always think about when I'm doing this studying is what was Byron's train of thought? And it's kind of why I'm posting some of the books that I am, you know, and the pamphlets um, that he has done. Because in order to really understand an author, we have to really kind of get into their mind frame, right? Things that they loved, things that they read, things that deeply affected them. And then being a writer, you have to really be good in your fundamental processing of literary documentations, but also being able to communicate that. And so whenever he is using interesting words throughout the book, uh, sometimes they're in italics, sometimes they're highlighted. Again, that's another form of code. Um, there are other meanings in these words. So going back to the dictionary, when you're an author, you utilize a dictionary, sometimes several dictionaries, when you're putting together a piece of work because you want your words to have um, the meaning that you want to convey. So, for instance, I know I've been chatting this morning with um, another secreter about Mira Chimera. So when you look at the definition of Chimera in and of itself, Lexicographically, it has changed from the very first time it's ever been used to now because words tend to change in their meanings over time, some, not all. Uh, but it's important to notate that because we need to understand if Byron was looking at the Random House Dictionary, this dictionary that's pub like that's actually pictured in the secret book under the typographical terrors, we know he utilized that dictionary to use some of the words from it for their meaning. And so when we typically are thinking, oh, I'm gonna go look up this word and see what it means, you know, I'm gonna Google it. Well Google can be your friend your best friend and also the devil because depending on where it pulls that definition from um, could give your theory a whole different meaning. So 
again when I reference the Japanese hint book and there are certain parts of that translation that he did with the Japanese um, writer that he was saying, you know, pick up an English dictionary or pick up the book of quotations. And I know that I've mentioned that before, but it's really critical to understand um, what he was trying to tell us to do there and what book was appropriate. So one of the one of the key clues, one that we have from looking at the secret book, is we did see that that dictionary is in the secret book in the typographical terrorist picture. So I started there. And at times, I want to fluctuate and go back to what was the first American dictionary, which was the Noah Webster's Dictionary from 1828. And then, of course, it has went through many abridgments itself and then was sold to the Merriam Brothers, which then became Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, which is what we know it as today. Um, but even Noah Webster chose a lot of his words based on the Bible. Um, interestingly, he wanted to obviously have our own language, our own book of definitions and our own stylings in America separate and apart from the mother country after the Revolutionary War of 1776. So Webster kind of got into this mode of wanting to really develop our own language here. He did travel over to Europe, he did use words from Samuel Johnson's dictionary, which Samuel Johnson was the English lexicographer. And so there is some debate about some of the word usage there, but Noah Webster was a little more puritanical in his thinking because he didn't allow the word whore or other words that he felt that were not good language <laughs> to be put in the book, um, or in his dictionary anyways. So uh, fascinating history there. and. We really, and I, I can't say this enough, we really have to pay attention to the word usage because that is where the word play is. Do you know what the word really means? Do you know where the word came from? And so I was going to talk a little bit about poem 10, which is the New York poem. And I was going to talk about a specific line in that poem. So if you look down and it says... Um, at the very end of the poem, look down from one branch of the V, okay? The V is important to note, <laughs> of the V. Okay, he puts the V in small italics. So my study of the word, I should say the letter V, is an interesting one because the letter V itself goes back to the Etruscan alphabet. And how many of you remember me talking to you about the Etruscans? I told you that the Etruscans had their um, memorial urns. And so in the Boston painting, since it was an Italian gem, she's holding that little square urn, which is an Etruscan urn. And so we look back to them for the letter V. And it originated, obviously, in Etruscan language. It also um, had a different sound. 
So the letter V actually had the U sound uh, when it was created. And then the use of the V for the V sound, what we know as V as in V or very, um, dates back to the end of the Middle Ages. So then we go, okay, Byron, <laughs> what does V mean, right? I mean, are we to just assume that we go, okay, we're trying to look for something that has a V shape. So look down from one branch of that. Or is it a literary meaning? And so I took a picture of the V in all of its multi multiple <laughs> definitions here, which I'm going to post to the site after this video because I want us to really think about the literary meaning of the letter V because it could absolutely be pointing us to something visually, like a visual clue, um, but it might not be what we assume it to be. And so if we go back to 1981, and we have to presume that here we have this author who loves words, who has filled the secret book with all sorts of funny words and interesting words and words that are in multiple different types of languages and or Yiddish, which he knew. Um, it really makes us try to really think about a deeper meaning in that line of the poem. And so, and of course, if we look at the rest of the poem in and of itself, and of course, everyone believes it's the New York poem, and it, it may very well be, I don't know, I kind of go back and forth since I know that the uh, Boston painting and poems were thought that they were Philadelphia for so many years <laughs> before they were found. But if we are truly looking at it, and it, and it is the New York uh, poem, we have to really understand to the finite level of what each word really means. And so we, again, go back to 1981, and we put on those glasses and we're wandering ourselves into a library because if you weren't um, if you didn't have a plethora of Encyclopedia Britannica at your home from some door-to-door -door salesman, which we were talking about today as well, um, you know, you utilize the library. And you wanted to use some of the older materials, and you wanted to utilize some of the newer materials to be able to formulate and see who could decipher these meanings. So... Again, when we look at the secret book and we talk about the wordplay and we look at every page, you know, there are many times he puts things in quotation marks. Um, those could absolutely be quotes from other authors. One of the quotes that sticks out to me as well on page 23 when we talk about wordplay is the quote where it says, quote, Indian myths. And then it says, quote, bright visitors from a far place abound, end quote. So these two lines that, uh, close to the bottom of the page. And you start looking into that in a more 
uh, literary capacity, you find that he is referencing some of the indigenous writers, uh, specifically who I think he's trying to kind of point a finger to to look at would be Gertrude Simmons. She was a Lakota Sioux woman uh, forced into an assimilation school in Indiana, uh, Wabash, Indiana. We had two assimilation schools here in this state for indigenous people. But she had written many stories about her mother, her grandmother. Um, he ev she eventually created the first Native American uh, opera that was actually an opera that was put on in play with the singing and the dancing um, in the Boston Theater. She's buried at Arlington Cemetery. Uh, but she was crucial in talking about how their stories were passed on by oral tradition, which is again why Byron talks about that in the book when he mentions the grandfather. And the grandfather is telling them like the stories because most of their history was all done by oral oration. It was not something they all wrote down because they all these different indigenous tribes, although some being interlinked in some um, familial genetic capacity, you know, they had their own languages and they had their own ways of scribing things. And some, you know, a lot of these, their own alphabets and the ways that they communicated have been lost over time. And so it's important to understand why Byron talks about that because... You know, like we said, this is a book of many puzzles. It's a book of historical clues and clues of the times, which would have been 1981. But we have to really pay attention to, you know, what he's teaching us here, right? Um, what he is saying about the words and how words are really important. And it's important to understand their meaning. It's important to use correct grammar, you know, when you're trying to articulate things to someone or people. And that's where he's wanting us to, to, to kind of weave through these grasses of understanding what the words really mean. So, that being said, if we, you know, I know there's been lots of debate about wind rose, you know, in another poem. And, you know, what does wind rose really mean? Does it mean the wind rose? Does it mean he's talking about wind rose? Are we talking about a compass? Are we talking about um, the wind rose metal that um, John Glenn, I believe John Glenn, Buzz Aldrin, one of the two has the wind rose medal. Um, which was the very first medal ever given. Uh, and for that reason, because he was, you know, a pilot, um, we were dealing with the wind. Uh, but then Byron says in the hint book, it's a nautical maneuver. So again, could still have to be dealing with the wind, right? But maybe in a more uh, naval capacity. These are things that we have to kind of think about. And why I always encourage my secreters to really 
don't just read what everybody else says and or puts out there, but to do your own real heartfelt research um, into understanding these literary meanings. Because what somebody else perceives it to be might actually have led you down a path of <laughs> no return, right? We have to kind of figure these things out as we go along. And on top of that, as if the puzzle wasn't complicated enough, <laughs> we had um, all of these different types of sign of the times kind of thing that's kind of overlaying on the book too, and his love of baseball, right? And Byron talks about baseball. And, and baseball, I think, is a huge theme that runs throughout this book. And I think that it pertains not only to the Boston cast, but I think it pertains to other places too. And if we look at the beginning of the book, and he says, you know, um, to the ed the editor would like to thank all these people he mentions, rattles off, then it says FX Flynn, right? And so we go, FX Flynn, wait, didn't he help start the Society for American Baseball? Wasn't he a researcher for American Society Baseball and like a statistician? Okay, well that should tell you right there, I mean, you're thanking a person that traveled the U.S. trying to put on note cards various statuses from all the baseball games he saw in order to make kind of like this whole Dewey Decimal System of baseball stats and why. Why would Byron thank somebody like that and put him in the book unless he didn't utilize his baseball knowledge for writing out some of these poems, including the five steps that were mentioned in the Boston poem, because the five steps is a physical clue for the five steps of the batter stepping into the batter box, taking a stance and taking a swing. Those are the five steps of baseball in that moment. And so, who knew, right? Who knew unless you really start analyzing these words? And that's my hope with all of what I do here at The Secret Deciphered. I want to talk about all the possible meanings. I don't want somebody just to tell me, oh, that's, that's a presumed city or that's just the, this is what that word means. Well, where did you find that? Where did you look? Would you have looked where Byron had looked? Because if you are just giving me that assumption based off of a Google search or whatever, I can't, I can't follow it. Because I really want to get into the brain of Byron. I really want to think like Byron. I want to think about if I'm looking at these puzzles, baseball would be a really great kind of underlying tone for things if you're trying to figure out where he's going to bury stuff, right? If he's going to put it in front of home plate or behind home plate. And I've had conversations with people like that before and I know just based on the five steps it would have put the bat in front of home plate for the final swing. That's where the cask would have been in the ground. So it would have been in front of home plate. We have to think not only literarily but also have a little bit of a sports mind 
and for some people who aren't super into sports it might be a little more difficult um, but there's all these elements and they're really brilliantly put together and and we have to decipher them together so I support everybody's theories like I've said before I support people that want the presumed cities to be what they are and I pres and I also support people that also want to maybe kind of think outside of the box because it's been 40 years and it's okay to not be on the same old path. So I welcome your questions. I'm excited. I'm going to go over another poem in the next video. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the word usage again for the map. Um, we're going to talk about why Byron chose the names of the countries he did, even though he's talked about a myriad of other historical events from different times from these said countries, because that is also another part of the puzzle. So I hope you guys have a super weekend. And I'm excited to do some more talks with all of you. You know, you can always email me, thesecretdeciphered at gmail.com. You can follow me on YouTube. Um, but we will walk through these things together. And we will get to parts that might not be comfortable for everyone in their belief system. But we will understand the words. And that's critical. So, until next time, guys. Ferry on!